Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Domesticated Dude podcast. I'm Logan, your host on this journey. Before we get into the episode, I want to share some exciting news. We have officially reached more than 500 listens over the course of our episodes. When I first started this podcast, it wasn't necessarily for counting numbers or anything like that, but I am thrilled that you are finding value and being entertained by these conversations. And I want to thank you for spending some time with me. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend Tyler. I met Tyler four years ago when I was back home in Alaska for Reed's wedding. Reed married Tyler's sister, Ashley. You know, when you are getting ready for a wedding, you are focused on that wedding and the activities going on around that wedding. So Tyler and I didn't really have a whole lot of time to really dive deep into deep conversations or anything like that. But we've kept in touch over these last four years, and with this podcast, it was a good opportunity for us to actually be able to sit down and do that. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I know you will too. After graduating from college, Tyler was a teacher for a little while, but his certification needed to be amplified. So he has to go back and get his master's degree, and in doing so, he's living with Reed and Ashley and his nephew, Lane. So we get to hear a little bit about what it's like living in a sitcom and some of the lessons that he gets to see from Reed and Ashley and also his nephew that gives him a really unique perspective on how to interact with kids. You know, with that and his teaching background, he's got some experience there. So he's getting ready to become a classroom teacher once he's done with his master's. Tyler is really intentional about setting goals for himself and really sticking to those goals and making sure that things don't get in the way. And so he talks us through a little bit about that, where that came from, why he does it, and the outcomes that he's looking to achieve. If you like what you hear, share it with a friend, follow us on Spotify, leave us a review on Apple, you know the drill. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend Tyler. Hope you enjoy. Tyler, it's good to see you, man. How you doing? How's it going, Logan? How's life? Oh, man, it's good. It's a beautiful day. I got a reservation on the deck as soon as we're done here. Life is good. How about you? You know, can't complain. Just got done uh, working for a little bit, and it's kind of rainy here. I was thinking about trying to get Reed to go on a hike today, but we'll see about all that. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, that'd be a good day for it. Be nice and cool. Get a, get a stretch in there. Yeah, for sure. So what are you what are you working on this summer? What's uh what's filling up your time? Um, so right now I'm working at a nonprofit. Uh, we work with people with intellectual disabilities, cognitive disabilities, and uh, substance abuse, homelessness, uh, uh, in in regards of employment. So um, I'm a coordinator. Uh, I have a few people that work below me, and they uh, uh, support a list of clients that uh, all receive services from the state of Alaska, and uh, we help them find jobs, keep jobs, and uh, maintain their careers. Dude, that is awesome. That's really cool. How did you get into all that? Walk walk me through that a little bit. Well, actually, it was kind of, um, I kind of just got referred to it. Uh, I, I don't have a background in it, but um, yeah, uh, so I was working for ASD. I was a adaptive physical education teacher for a year. Uh, that's what my background is in. I have a, a degree in physical education and uh, I loved it. And after I got done, uh, I didn't have the proper certification they rec- they referred me to this nonprofit and I went and applied and they said okay yeah let's uh let's do this and I've been there for 
two and a half years now. Um, and I'm back in school now, actually. So I'm going for a master's in education to start and go back to teaching. Very nice, man. You help these people find jobs and help give them resources that they need. What does that look like? What are some of the things that you do to help them? So uh, there's a ton. Um, so assets, especially that's the name of the nonprofit. Um, they have a they have a list of contract sites that they've uh, negotiated with. So Providence Hospital, um, the Nesbitt Courthouse, a lot of like local local places here in Anchorage. There's there's a there's a bunch of them that uh, what they do is um, they build this contract and then they uh, basically contract out this work, this uh, different type of work. And so what we do is we create a competitive employment position to where um, the clients can come in, apply, uh, work on maturity skills, try to gain some experience to where they could try to go out in the community and get different types of jobs all around. What's really what's really neat about it is you have a ton of like really good stories uh, where someone will go in, they'll work for a year or two, they'll, they'll move their way up the chain, and then they'll say, hey, look, I want to go out in the community. I want to be more independent. And so then you help them do that. And then Assets also does housing and stuff on the other side. So if they want a different house, you know, we help them with just about everything that they can in their day-to-day life. So, Wow. That's, that's great, man. It, and it sounded mm-hmm. like you said that that kind of stemmed out of your teaching career a little bit. Did you mm-hmm. go to school for teaching? Is that something that you always knew that you wanted to do was to be a teacher? Yeah, I think growing up, that was kind of just always a, a thing. I, I grew up in a very small town where, you know, the, the biggest economy was, uh, was the school, the school district. And uh, there was just a ton of good teachers that excuse me, that, uh, made uh, teaching look really fun and exciting. Uh, I always wanted to be a basketball coach, and I thought that that would be like a really good transition into that, uh, which I have done some coaching uh, here in Anchorage and the Valley. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, just like uh, uh, educa- just teaching and helping kids. That was really just like kind of like my, my niche when I was going to school. And so I thought that was great. And then, uh, yeah, I finished up uh, at UAA with a – Bachelor of Science in Physical Education, and then, uh, but it requires additional uh, teaching because what happened is they took away the teaching cert for a lot of the programs at UAA, and so what you they want you to do is do a master's in education that's just more specific to the degree. Okay, so, all right. No. So you're pursuing your master's while you're working this full time job. What's that mm-hmm. been like? How how are you able to kind of balance those things out? Um, well, I think actually it's a little bit easier now. I, I don't know. Uh, I think when I was a kid, uh, or at least younger, I would, I wouldn't focus as much on school. I I was always wanting to do other stuff. And, uh, now that I have a full-time job, I kind of just like, okay, well, you know, this day is going to be a 10 hour, 12 hour day regardless. So it's like, you know, it's a little bit more balanced now, I think. And instead of me worried about like, you know, going out to the bar or like, uh, doing other things that during the week, I just, I'm like, okay, well, I just got to do school today instead. So keeps you out of trouble a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It, yeah, it definitely does. Uh, saves saves me some money too. You know, yeah. Even though I'm paying for school, though. But, I bet. Well, yeah. you're not spending a hundred bucks at the bar every night. You know? <laughs> you're right. So that's that's good. So you mentioned that growing up, you had teachers who made teaching look easy and fun. As you were mm-hmm. going through your schooling, did you find that you still had that desire to teach? I know some people start that program and then realize that maybe that's not a good fit for them. So what was it about teaching that kept you? in it. I'm really glad you asked that, Logan. Uh, you know, this is actually the first job. That was the first job I had no doubt about. You know, you get in there, you start doing it and you're like, wow, this is great. Cause you know, at, at the end of the day, every job at some point you're going to be like, man, this kind of sucks. You know, there's, there's parts about your job that are just disheartening or like things that you're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't read this in the job description where it says like, you know, today is going to be whatever. 
but like when I, while I was teaching, even though it was a different, it wasn't really like my, uh, I wasn't in the special education realm while I was going to school, but I, I really loved it. I really thought that that was great. And I think that, um, over time I've even, I've even changed my degree to where I'm not going to be a physical education teacher to start. I'm going to be a, uh, the plan right now is to be a fourth grade, uh, core classroom teacher. And so that would be the, that's the goal is to start in the classroom and, uh, work my way up and then perhaps go back to school, maybe even start trying to be a vice principal, principal, that kind of deal. So that's the route I think is the next, that really, uh, I think is inspiring to me. Let me ask you, what is it about that um, next level that is attractive to you? I know there's, you know, when you have teaching and I, I know this because my wife is a teacher, you have those teachers who are perfectly happy in their classroom. They know what they're doing. But then you also have those teachers like you who are driven to that administrative level. What about that is exciting to you? It's one of those things where I think that, uh, you know, if you work with kids for a while, so uh, the principal that let me do some student teaching at um, uh, while I was in Galena, I went back to Galena to do my student teaching. And that's that was like my last semester of school. Um while I was there, the principal there is actually a good family friend. We still keep in touch. He's a superintendent now in uh, Southeast Alaska. But what he said was, a principal is just a teacher's teacher. So what you're wow. doing is you're going and talking to the teachers. You're trying to assess the teachers, really build that relationship with them to make sure that they have the best classroom because that affects education too. It's a, it's a, very, it's a very long system of just um, preparing. And if you are able to help teachers teach, the kids are going to get a better experience. They're gonna be, it's going to be a better school. And... You know, that I think all those steps are incredible. I think it just fascinates me. I love it when people are passionate about things. And I know I have a special place in my heart for teachers. A lot of my family members are teachers. My wife is a teacher. So I've seen both sides of it where some of them go the administrative route. Some of them go the classroom out and they've been in the classroom for 30 years because that's where, that's where their passion is, right? Mm-hmm. So to hear you say that being able to support those teachers in their mission, you're just helping them out and giving them whatever they need because God knows that teachers need all the resources that they can get these days. It's getting harder and harder to find that. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, it is a little wild uh, thinking about it. Cause I mean, I don't really know what the future actually entails. Right. You know, I could, uh, I could wind up uh, getting in a classroom and I actually just love it. And I just, I don't want to leave, you know, I'll be there for 30 years. And um, I always told myself that regardless of what I do, um, that when I turn 60, I'm going to go back and be a PE teacher for at least five years. So that'll be the last couple of years. Nice. That's the plan. I like it. I like that you have these goals and intentions set out. That That's really cool, man. And for a younger guy, you're younger than me and Reed. Reed's your brother-in-law. You kind of got your shit at least a little bit together. More together than he and I did, I'll say that. <laughs> uh, maybe in some areas, not all of them. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so is it is it kind of... Um, you kind of see what not to do by living with Reed and some of the things that he does. Sorry, Reed, oh, calling you out on this. <laughs> um, I mean, for sure with anything, I mean, uh, yeah. So like Reed, Reed's married to my sister. So, um, basically the way this, it, it almost feels like a sitcom at sometimes just some of the shit that Reed gets himself into, but they kind of asked me cause Reed works up North. Uh, she works at, as a nurse and what, um, what was going on was Lane needed a, needed someone to get him out of school or someone to pick him up occasionally and to watch him at night if she had night shifts. So I was like, you know, I'm back in school. This could save me a little bit of cash and I'm starting to do it. But now my welcome has been long overstayed. And <laughs> <laughs> basically, no, uh, I think the biggest thing about Reed uh, and Ash is like if, if I watch them uh, and if Reed 
you know, Reed won't take out the trash or something. And Ashley comes in and she's like, why isn't this taken out? And he's like, well, you know, you, you also can do that, you know? And so then it's just like, it's just kind of like watching a, the, the a, a civil war break out in the house. So it's pretty nice. <laughs> Cheap entertainment, right? Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's cool though. You get to spend a lot more time with your nephew and, and be around him a lot. That's something that a lot of people don't have um, the opportunity to, to do, especially at your age, you know, you're, um, going to school, you're working, but then you're also being uh, an uncle at the same time. Right. What's, what's that been like to to spend extra time with Lane? It's kind of like really great, and I'm just the cool uncle that gets to like do all the fun stuff with Lane. But he's getting to these, he's getting to his age where he's gonna be too cool for us. So he has friends coming over all the time now, and like he's staying the night out, doing all that kind of thing. And so uh, the other day, Ashley was like, "Do you want to go for a bike ride?" And he was like, "Not really." So it's almost like. <laughs> We're like we're running out of time to really do the cool fun stuff with them. So it's been it's been a good run though. You know, we're excited about it. Let's go back to your work at the nonprofit a little bit. What are some of the things that you're learning in this job right now that you think you can take with you as you continue to grow and continue to move on? I think there's a couple things for sure. Um, I think you could just just about say that with any job. I mean, I could be you know, working as a supervisor or any, it really, or do anything really. And you can take something away. But I think I got into a, I got into a leadership role within the last year where I'm uh, ahead of a few employees and trying to make their life easier and staying positive and really negative situations at times, just because, you know, a nonprofit, you know, it's not a ton of money that is being made. Uh, people that are some of the, some of the people that work below me are going to school too, and they're struggling and, you know, you try to provide them with everything just to make their job easier and fit, fit a schedule. But at the same time, it's like work still has to be done. So right. there's a lot. I think you could just take away like sacrifice and trying to, you know, create a positive environment, really. And I think that's what really creates a good workflow any, with anything you do. What are some of the things that you did when you knew that you were going to start being a leader in this organization? Were there, were there other things that you kind of other resources that you leaned on? As you led this team, you know, uh, did you read any books? Did you um, do any professional development? What are some of those ways that you really developed those leadership skills? Or did it just come naturally? Sometimes it just comes naturally to people. There's a, there's a lot of everything in that. Um, almost like watching Reed not take the trash out at home. I had a boss that he um, he struggled to be a boss. He was a really good guy. just struggled to do it. He, uh, he, he was very forgetful, very unorganized, and just... He wasn't able to connect or grasp the things that he needed to do. But he, and he told me, he said, Ty, hey, Tyler, look, uh, I know I'm not that good at being a supervisor, but uh, and I'm sure that one of these days you're going to be sitting in my chair, but I'm transitioning and I'm trying to get better at it. And I, and I felt for him, you know, I didn't give him a hard time, but the boss ahead of him was not a fan of him. So he ended up leaving, but just watching the way that he did things was um, maybe like what not to do or maybe like try this differently or, you know, and I've always had, I think I've always had an approach about myself of doing something uh, my own way and whether or not it's right or wrong, uh, learn, learn both ways. Right. You learn more in a loss. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You you learn way more by screwing up than actually succeeding. And I'll I'll speak to that. I know Reed could speak to that. A lot of us could, you know, we, we learn a lot from these lessons and you know, that's kind of the basis of this podcast is learn from our mistakes. You don't have to go out and make your own. Learn learn what not to do from us because we've been right. through it. Maybe you're going through something similar. It seems like you are kind of naturally pulled toward leadership and pulled toward setting an example. Do you feel that? 
yourself, where, where do you think that came from? I don't know if I'm actually a really a good leader or a bad leader uh, at the end of the day, but I, I know that I, I have preferences on what I like to do and things that I like to do and things I want to focus on. I have a list of goals that I have written out and I've had it for a year now. And, you know, I have things that I want to accomplish uh, within my lifespan and that's, that's my way of doing it. Where did that goal setting come from? Where, how did you start that? When did you know that that's something that you needed to start doing? So I took this class in college. It was one of the coolest teachers I ever had. He was a professor. His name was TJ Miller. And I actually didn't do that well in the class. I got a, I got a C minus. But it was one of the coolest classes I've ever taken in my life. He, uh, one of them was like, write a paper about a leader and they have to be a negative person. I thought that that was just a different approach of thinking outside the box. But I mean, they obviously, they obviously were bad people, but they were good leaders. And so there was a ton of things. Uh, in that class that I really learned and I could, I think I could notice when someone is actually being a good leader or a bad leader. And one of the reasons why I've stayed at my company is because the CEO of assets is one of the best people I think I've ever met in my life. He's just through and through, just very uh, good hearted, pure, and is in complete like uh, surrender of helping people. And I think that that's worth following. Well, I would certainly hope so in an organization like that, that you are coming at it with an open heart and an open mind and not somebody who's trying to be a dictator in something in an organization like that, because there are so many people around them who have open hearts, open minds. So they have to kind of mimic that style. And it sounds like that's a perfect fit for you right now. If you're able to kind of follow that, that path. And I mean, it's going to lead you somewhere. Probably going to be good. Yeah. So the goal setting, you said that that kind of started back in college. What are some of the things that you've learned now that you've been into the real world You've had a couple jobs now and you're starting to kind of get your shit together. Walk us through that a little bit. Honestly, I think the biggest thing is that um, college is a, is a big hoop you got to jump through in order to do what you really want to do. Every job, I think, and uh, I've talked with my sister about this. My sister's a nurse. I've talked with Reed about this, works up north, does a uh, heavy equipment operator. It doesn't really matter where you get, where you get hired or what background you have. Um, they're going to teach you the job. They're going to teach you how to do it. Now, having that background knowledge is great. I would, I would want a nurse that uh, had background knowledge in anatomy and physiology, and I'd want some background knowledge. But basically every job I've had, I think that you, you get taught how to do it. And once you get taught how to do it, you're fine. It's really, uh, the, that's one of the biggest things I learned. But I also think that um, setting, uh, really just the setting of goals and doing things that you want to do. And you kind of lose, lose touch with a lot of people. I think that's another thing is like uh, you kind of disconnect with people over the years because people have different priorities. People are people have other things going on. We, I was actually talking with a friend the other day and he was like, you know, we don't really see each other that often, but I, I, I enjoy seeing you. And I was like, yeah, I know. I mean, well, we're adults. You know, we got, <laughs> we got other things. Going right. on. If, I go work, if I go work for 10 hours and then do school for two, two to three more hours after that, I don't really I'm not interested in seeing you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's something that Reed and I talked about a couple episodes back is that you kind of have to pick what you want to do. And if, if your trajectory is not open to going to the bar, if your trajectory is not hanging out with friends every night, you know, you're still doing what you need to do. But then when it's time to see those friends, it makes those times mean that much more because you know that time is limited. Picking up where you left off with friends, I thought that was a really good point. Uh, I was talking to, so I have a, you know, I grew up in a smaller town out in rural Alaska, but uh, most of them have all moved to said like Anchorage or Fairbanks. And so if I go to Fairbanks, I'll go maybe like once or twice a year and I'll go up and see all of those guys. And, you know, usually we'll all get together at least and at least once where we're all in the same room. 
And I remember uh, someone said, like, you know, this may be only a two times a year deal, but it's pretty nice that we all pick up right where we left off. And I thought that was a good point because that that really it, it's true. We all go and do our own things. And even I live in a household with Reed and my and my sister and my nephew, and we still have our own complete separate lives where we all do our own thing. And I think that that's kind of actually the faster you realize that as an adult, the more happy you're going to be. Right. If you, if you focus on the negatives, like, oh man, I don't see my friends as much as I used to, or, you know, you're just going to feel miserable and it, right. there's nothing you can really do about it because your friends aren't going to want to hang out with you every night. They're just, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Everyone should be all dependent on their own happiness. Damn straight. You know, I moved to Nebraska. I left a lot of my friends, my family back home. You still have a lot of that, but at the same time, growing up in Alaska, our friend's first instinct is, hey, as soon as I'm done with high school, I'm out of here. Or as soon as I'm done with college, I'm out of here. Do you still have that core group of friends up there that you can see once once or twice a year? It's interesting. Um, so I'm the, so I had a group of friends uh, that uh, I still keep in relatively good touch with that I went to Colony with uh, my first year in, in Colony, the school out in the valley. Uh, you're, you're quite aware. Yep. Um, but uh uh, I went there for a year, and I still uh, a lot of them I still keep in touch with. I fished with I commercial fished with one for five years. Uh, I was actually going to go commercial fish with a different one this year, but COVID happened, and I'm still in a fantasy league and a group text with all of them. So I'm the last one of them that's in Alaska. Then they all spread out among, uh, down in the states, and which is which is sweet. I still see them. I'll probably uh, see them once or twice a year if that. Um, not everybody, but a few select of them, and um, the guys that I was uh, with in rural Alaska, they all kind of branched out. Some of them stayed back. Some of them were in Fairbanks, some of them were in Anchorage, and some of them are down in the States as well. But it's kind of that weird balance. Like when everybody wanted to go do something and then once they figured out what they wanted to do, we all ended up uh, in how we ended up in different places. Yeah. I mean, the opportunities for people are everywhere. And for you, your best opportunity was to stay right there in Anchorage. And mm-hmm. so it just, it just depends. Like for me, that's one of the reasons why I moved to Nebraska is because there were so many more opportunities down here for me. You just kind of have to do it. You know, you have to do whatever makes sense for you. Tyler, you mentioned commercial fishing. I think a lot of people who are going to listen to this are going to think deadliest catch. Like that's where their mind is going to go immediately once they hear commercial fishing. Is it anything like the TV show? No, that's, that's a hoax. That's a, that's a big hoax. Uh, so uh, the funny thing about that show, I've, I actually bet one of the guys that was on there, and he, uh, he was only on there for a few seasons. I forgot his name, but it was when I was working out in St. Paul, and he said, you know, they dramatize that so, so much because crabbing used to be a, uh, like a free-for-all, you know, unlimited quota, where, you know, you just, you'd fish on the bad days. You'd fish on the really terrible days and the dangerous days. But now you have a, some, a certain amount of quota that you have to catch in a certain amount of time. So on the bad days, you don't have to go out. I don't personally know that. I haven't ever uh, done crabbing. I've done some long lining for halibut and black cod out in Dutch Harbor. And um, mostly, uh, most of my experience is in um, Prince William doing uh, gill netting. So I've been on a drifter and I've been on a set net site. And it's, it's really fun. Uh, I actually really love it. Uh, I took Reed out for the first time, my brother-in-law, for a couple, maybe like a month ago. He absolutely loved it. Said it's one of the most beautiful places he's ever been. So. That's awesome, man. What's a what's a set net camp like for people who may not be aware? Uh, so imagine a shack, a shack, a shack or a shed in the woods with a a, a stove, 
and an oven and a bunch of mosquito dope. That's pretty much what you're doing. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Sign, that sounds pretty good to me. I think there's a lot of people who might be listening to this that say that sounds fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> but I imagine that there's plenty to do. You guys have what you need. You have the essentials, right? Most of the time you're on a boat fishing because that's, that's, it's just like any job, you know, you're there to do one thing and that's to catch fish. So when the fish are in, you're not really at camp. And when you're at camp, you're sleeping. So you're not around much, but, uh, there's a ton of people around and, you know, I mean, obviously like there's bears and other things, but they don't really ever come and mess around. But I mean, majority of the time you're just on the water fishing and picking fish out of the net and uh, it's funny. Uh, I was just telling somebody about this, but like, there's no better feeling than going up to a net full of fish and picking out all the, picking all the fish. Cause it's like picking tens and fives and twenties and all over the place. It's pretty nice. <laughs> you got the cash register sounds going off in your mind. Oh yeah. dude. It's, it's all mental math. You're just trying to see how much pounds you got, what the price is. And you know, everyone's a math whiz out there. So it's pretty funny. Is that something where the price fluctuates? Uh, kind of like here with corn. Uh, there's you know, a ton of farmers here in the Midwest. The price of corn kind of fluctuates. Is it the same kind of deal? It's a, it's a graph. Uh, it's a downward spiraling graph. So the price will start at a set, a set price, let's say $2 a pound. And then from day one until the last day, it'll be like 50 cents. And so, and it's also a bell curve for fish. So the, the, the fish will start very slow and then it'll go up, 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 and then it'll peak and then it'll start going down. So normally when the price is very high uh, at $2, $2.50 two a pound, um, there's not a ton of fish. But when it peaks, it's still a pretty decent price as long as you're catching fish, no boat problems, no nothing. That's when you make all your money right in the middle. So actually right now, from the 20th to the 4th out in Prince William is usually like the peak. You worked for the school district for a little while. You're, you're working for a nonprofit now. You're a commercial fisherman. What are some of your hobbies that you like to do when you're not working, when you're not doing school stuff? How do you kind of relax and give your mind a break? Most recently, uh, I was never a guy that really liked uh, um, hikes or really anything like that. But uh, that, was a, that was something I wrote down in my goals that I wanted to go see a bunch more of Alaska. Uh, and I have to do, I think I broke down 12 hikes a year. So, you know, one a month at that. And that's not a ton, but I mean, it's enough for me, um, enough to get me out and go see some stuff. But uh, I've really enjoyed that uh, over the last six months. Um, and uh, I think just uh, getting out and checking things out, that's really what I like to do. Um, I also still, I still play like softball and basketball in leagues here in town. Um, I like doing that. I like to stay active. I think that's fun. Um, and Netflix, you know, that's, that's my other deep passion, <laughs> Netflix. So <laughs> get me on there. I'm not getting off. I can relate to that, man. So with these hikes, where are some of the places that you're going? Is it places that are kind of nearby? I know a lot of people may not recognize a lot of the places that you'll stay, but just kind of give me a snapshot of some of the places you like to go. Uh, the coolest one I did was actually a month and a half ago was uh, Bird Ridge. To paint the picture, I, wrote, I got there and I was with a group of hikers that – we're going <laughs> to destroy me on the hike. And so I was like, uh, I saw these, I saw these group, I saw this group of older women starting to jog up the hill. And I was like, okay, you know, it doesn't seem too bad. Logan, five minutes in, I was asking if we were done. It was <laughs> awful. And I'm, you know, I, I, I came there in a, two hoodies thinking it was cold out and I'm drenched in sweat. I'm wrapping them around me. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
But when you get to, when you got to the top, it took us about two and a half hours to peak. And uh, looking out, you see the entire Turnigan arm, and it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I thought that was great. Um, but Reed and I just did flat top the other day, so we just try to. I was gonna do one today if it stops raining. We'll see. But um, just yeah, really anywhere around Anchorage, if, if you get up to the top of somewhere, and uh, we've done it towards Girdwood and the Valley. I went out and did one out towards Glen Allen. It's pretty. It's pretty sweet. What's it, what's it like when you are when you conquered the hike and you're standing up there and you're looking out and you have the 360 degree view? What's what's that like for you? Well, after puking, it's pretty much the coolest <laughs> thing that uh, you could ever really imagine. I don't know. You get to the top and you're like, okay, I knocked it out, putting it on the list, and appreciate the view for about 10 minutes. Maybe crack a cold one and head back down. I was just gonna ask how long you guys usually stay up there because I'd be like, all right, uh, that's cool. Uh, I'm ready to get down off this thing yeah <laughs> my nephew actually said uh i and i don't really i don't really get it but we were driving and i was like yeah see look you can see the mountains over there and he kind of looked at me and just said uh uncle i don't do views and i was like you don't do what he's like i don't do views like they don't do it for me and i was like all right well i'll try not to point stuff out then man. <laughs> man talk about taking things for granted right man i I never realized how much I love the mountains until I moved to a place where there are no mountains. But yeah. for, for me, like the view, I, I was just having this conversation with a couple of buddies about a month ago. We were out in Western Nebraska and Western Nebraska looks completely different than Eastern Nebraska. There are a lot more hills. There's what they call the sand hills that are these big dunes. It's really cool. And when you're, when you're coming from a place in Eastern Nebraska where a lot of the land is flat, Seeing that stuff is really neat. Plus, you got some lakes mixed in there. And one of my buddies asked me, he says, you know, do you ever get sad that you can't see the mountains anymore? And I said, look, man, I got to do the best I can with what I've got. If I, if I were to compare every view that I saw in Nebraska to back home, I'd just be depressed all the time. So when I, yeah. when I find beauty, I appreciate it. And I think that could be said for a lot of people is, you know, you have to find beauty in whatever you're seeing. Otherwise, you're, you're not going to be very happy. No, that's a huge silver lining. And I think that's a good way to live. I mean, yeah, if you were just comparing, it's like, I mean, it's like almost like, you know, if you're if you're comparing your last friendship, or your last relationship, you're never going to be happy with what you have. So, it's you know, that's just about everything. I think you hit it, hit the nail on the head. Yeah, that comparison, it's a it's a trap. You know, <laughs> it's always a trap. Living with your nephew, what are some of those lessons that you've learned? You know, seeing seeing life through a kid's eyes, I mean, it's got to be pretty different than what you're used to, right? So what are some of those things that you've learned living with your nephew? Um, tone is everything. The way you say things is everything to a kid. And I think that, like, really, if you're, if you're, if you're upset about something the way it's done, it's hard to not, it's hard to not like be like, you know, upset or raise your voice. Cause when you're dealing with adults, you're kind of like, Hey man, why didn't you get this done? Like you should have knocked that out. Right. But when you're dealing with a kid, if you say that the same way, then they're like, Oh, well, I don't know. I just didn't really care the way <laughs> to get it done the way you wanted it. So I think that that was my biggest learning curve with my nephew was like, I, you know, I gotta be a lot cooler about my, the way I say things and interpret things. And also it's so funny because the stereo, the stereotype of like, you know, the way we, we imagine our parents saying things, you know, they're always like, they're all, they're always like the head honcho, oh, you know, back in my day. And I catch myself doing it so often. And one time we were, uh, there was me, my nephew and Reed, and we're sitting there talking 
And both me and Reed were saying, oh, well, back in my day, I used to have to. Lane said, well, I don't really care about back in your day because it's not today. And I was like, well, <laughs> no. You know, I mean, he he does have a point, and we've tried not to do it, but it's so hard to compare, right? That's the same that's that same burden is you're trying to like compare on like, oh, well, I had to do like all these different chores all the time. I had to like I had to mow the lawn every day. Like you're not doing anything, and he's just like, well, tell me to do this stuff, or you know, maybe interpret it differently. So I think that's huge. Wow, yeah, that's powerful, man. I it's that old adage I used to have to walk to school uphill both ways in the six feet of snow. You know, <laughs> it's that's cool though, that you're able to get that perspective before you have kids yourself. So now you're kind of like, you're practicing a little bit and you're kind of yeah. getting in that mindset a little bit. Practicing, not prepared. There you go. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody is fully prepared for children until the child is here. And then even then you're still the, the friends who I have, who have kids, they say that they're still learning. They're never really prepared. Yeah. Um, well, because, I mean, it's it's really – so, I mean, if you think about it, it doesn't really matter if you're the best parent, the worst parent, or the most mediocre parent. You have no idea what type of human you are creating or what they're going to be because they have their own interpretations on everything. So it's really like, yeah, do your worst, do your best. We'll see what happens, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and as long as you're there, as long as you're present, that that's like 90% of it, right? Here, look at us two guys without kids talking about how to – have kids. Uh, <laughs> but really that's, that's what it is, right? At least from an outsider's perspective, showing up and being there and being around, helping out whenever you can, that that's gotta go a lo- really long way. Oh, for sure. And yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you're, I mean, that's constant. You're as a parent, you're constantly learning too. You're, you're seeing what works, what doesn't work. That's part of the thing. That's another thing with like this education stuff is that like, you could say things to, you could say things to every student in the classroom and nine out of 10 if nine out of tens hear something, that one that doesn't, you're not helping that person, right? So it's the same way with if you have two kids, you say one thing to your kid, that kid completely understands, the other one doesn't really get it. It's just about like trying to like really be there and like help them get through it, get through the journey, but maybe not like over help and you know, let them learn a little bit themselves. Yeah, for sure. You gotta kinda let the reins back a little bit. Do you want to have kids? Do you want to raise a family? What's what's kind of Tyler's five year plan? Um, yeah, I definitely want to have a relationship. I want to have kids. Uh, I'd like to do that, all that good stuff. Um, I, I wasn't, I was dating a girl for a while and then, uh, didn't work out. So then I kind of just took a step back and I think for a long time I was just in a relationship with, uh, cause I dated for most of my twenties. And so I was kind of like took a step back and, you know, I think this time I'm just going to sit and sit and wait for the right one. And you know, it, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm, I'll either be a really great uncle or a mediocre dad, I guess. So we'll see. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. But that's, I mean, what you said, that's really what it's all about. If you are trying to force something, mm-hmm. that's how it's going to feel. And yeah. you're probably not going to find your right person. But if you sit back and let it come to you, let it happen naturally, it's just one of those things where you'll know. Right. And I see, I appreciate, I have a ton of friends that like are all, they're all like about to pop the question. You know, they're all, They've been with their been with their significant others for a long time, and I'm I'm nothing but happy for them. And you know, I see that there it takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of work. I think now um, with a lot of people is the grass is greener, and you know they 
they're not really it, the, the first sign of like trouble in a relationship. They're like, well, I don't need, I don't need this crap. So, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of waiting and not to say that I, I'm, I'm worried about it. Not, I know that it, I know that if it happens, it happens. It's one of those things where you got to take care of yourself too, right? So you gotta, you gotta take care of what you want to do. And by doing that, you will put out that energy to others that say, Hey, here's what I'm about. Here's what I'm doing. These are my priorities. And I know there are women out there who are attracted to that and uh, attracted to somebody who's driven like you are and who has their shit almost together because we all have our shit almost together. I I would make that argument. None of us has our shit 100% together. Right. No, yeah. There's no way that anybody has their shit together. And no matter what, the problems are always going to come. You just want to focus on keeping those good problems rather than the bad problems. Are there things that we haven't talked about yet that you think people should hear? Uh, I don't have a ton. Um, but this was really fun. I, I enjoyed this. This is awesome. Yeah, man. Me too. This is the first time that you and I have been able to kind of sit down and really dive into shit together. We met when Reed and Ashley got married. Yeah. Just kind of stayed in touch since then, but this is the first time that we've been able to actually do dive this. In. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. We, we were like, uh, together a lot, but I mean, if, if we're thinking of the wedding, I think most of us, we were pretty drunk most of the time. So, I oh, mean, yeah. yeah, this has been, <laughs> this has been the first one that we're actually like really diving in. So I like it. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time and doing this. And I know this won't be the last time we do it. So we'll uh, have to start thinking about topics for the next episode. Yeah, dude. Let's do it again for sure. Deal. Hey, man. Thank you very much. No problem. All right, man. See ya.